Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 2nd of May 2013. I always start off by advising newcomers to look into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website. You'll see lots of sites listed there. These are the official sites I have. They'll carry audios for free download and they all carry transcripts in English for print up. And if you go into Alan Watt Sentient, sentinel.eu, you can get transcripts of a lot of the talks I've, I've done, and, and you get them in other languages. Take your pick. And remember, too, you are the audience that bring me to you. This is not a business, and this is a necessity, really. Uh, simply for the time to say things is almost over, and if you don't get it all done, um, well, it's, 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 it's the future's loss, basically. So what I do is go through the history of the system, the big system that controls all of us, actually. We're all indoctrinated by it. Uh, it's a scientifically controlled system. And um, the people who designed it wrote lots and lots of books about it, uh, over a hundred years, in fact. And many of them who sat in the big international circles would write their memoirs and tell about their participation in their particular part of it. That's to do with social culture changes and the indoctrination of people using scientific technology and scientific methods like uh, behaviorism and neuroscience and so on. And it's worked awfully, awfully well. Every generation gets an update for the next push and the next push because the future is planned that way, you see. And for a global society, you have to do a lot of planning, obviously. And it was done a long, long time ago, a long time ago. And that's why, really, you have such varied opinions between young people and even people 20 years older than themselves because the young ones always get the latest updates, which will be different from the ones before. And that's why there's an sort of impasse there with points of view. Indoctrination works awfully, awfully well, and those who are indoctrinated will be the last to ever admit it or even look into it themselves. So remember, too, you bring me to you, so you can help me go along by getting the books and discs, hopefully at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com, where I go through some of the techniques used upon the public down through thousands of years, very old tricks of chronology, and uh, it still works very, very well. Today it's even better, of course, with TV, seeing is believing, and all that kind of stuff, like Wag the Dog, the movie. And uh, remember, too, from the US to Canada, you can buy using personal checks still or international postal money orders, or you can send cash or use PayPal across the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. And straight donations are really seriously welcome as we go through inflation, which, of course, is just printing more and more money and devaluating the currencies across the world, actually. The whole world's going through the same system because we're globalized, we're standardized, and, and uh, they have to bring in a new currency eventually, when I don't know, but they really do want one day to have a, a, a world currency. At the moment, they've got different agreements to do with trading blocks, 
the European Union now has, of course, its own currency, the euro, and they want the Americans to eventually to have the next, the next one too for the whole of the Americas. They've been pushing that for quite a few years and haven't quite got it yet. But uh, the far eastern uh, Pacific Rim too uh, will eventually get the same thing as well. The three, three main trading blocks that Karl Marx talked about a long time ago. So we're living through plan change, and those who control power today always control the future because they ensure that everything is progressing towards their own future, the one that they want for their own offspring in the same positions of power. Power never gives itself up. It doesn't like to share power with anyone else outside, and it always tries to get more and more power. And we truly are living through a scientific age of massive control, massive control. And really it started big time, of course, with the television. And it's still being used to its maximum today. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, talking about the system, and it truly is an all-pervasive system, but it's a system that was not unforeseen by those that planned it, obviously, because they did plan it, all of it, the cultural changes, the economic changes, even the austerity, how would you get austerity through, you must create crashes. And, of course, the ones who helped create the crashes owned the banks, and the banks themselves lost nothing whatsoever. In fact, they gained an awful lot through it, because things don't disappear in bank crashes. There's a lot of property involved, and uh, and businesses too, and so on and so on. And uh, they, get, they get bailouts and all the rest of it too, so they're actually better off after it for the banks. But anyway... The public lose every time because the whole point is, you see, there's always been a kind of feudal system on the go. And I've said many, many times that one of the big players, even in the 1950s, was Charles Galton Darwin, who was a, a physicist himself. He worked on the Manhattan Project. And, of course, uh, he was uh, the grandson of the Charles Darwins and the Galtons and all the rest of them and the, the Bens, the Wedgwoods. And he basically said that there's always been slavery in some form or another. And his own book, The Next Million Years, he said this. And he said, we are now in the process of creating a more sophisticated form of slavery. In other words, it's a form of slavery that most folk don't know that they're actually slaves. It's worked awfully well, in fact. It's even getting better as they use all the sciences now, and as I say, the, the, the neurosciences, as I love to call it now, it sounds more, more scientific, neuroscience, isn't, doesn't it? Better than just psychology or behaviorism. But, but the fact is they're using all of these techniques on the general public for indoctrinative purposes. And it's an old technique too because they used it in the Soviet system. And Pavlov, of course, designed a system for all the schools in the Soviet Union. And again, this, based on, on studying animals and, and uh, torturing animals, they could do the same with, with people too, they found out. And, and condition them to the kind of people they wanted to be. Because all, the whole thing behind the Marxist part of it, which is owned as well by the same bankers, big bankers, uh, is that um, you could bring in a society of planned behavior. And if you plan behavior, then some people are standardized. If you have standardized populations, then you have complete control over all of them. Free will and individualism had to be uh, demolished. 
That's why everything in communism is literally that. It's commune, you see. It takes a village to raise a child, all that kind of stuff. That's why you've got so much going on in some countries right now under various uh, treaties of signed at the United Nations to do with the rights of the child that actually gives the, the, the parents no rights at all and gives the state all rights because that, again, is Marxist policy. You can create the kind of individual you want. In fact, you can recondition them. They truly believe this, even though it never worked. Uh, for, for prisoners, for instance, um, I'm talking about felons, they can recondition them to be normal people, like everybody else, uh, like a robot, and give them new programming. So this is the same thing that's going on in the schools today to bring in the global citizen, and everyone will be, will be given a different uh, indoctrination according to the class that they belong to. Don't think for a minute that communism is classless. Ask the multi-billionaires that came out of the Soviet Union. You know, the, 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 the great utopia of equality, supposedly. And they all fled like rats out the ship. When it was time to run, mind you, they knew long in advance that they were going to take it down and move into the West. Incredible amounts of money. But anyway, that's the system you live in too. So, as I say, the, the technocratic age is, this is said by Brzezinski, another technocrat himself. Now, a technocrat is someone who's appointed to positions, and they're appointed to these positions, uh, never elected. Uh, they could also be ex-presidents, prime ministers, high civil servants uh, that know their business, know their job, and they're, they're given lots and lots of leeway and rope to get things done behind the scenes without being responsible to the general public because they're unelected. But this, this is what Brzezinski said. He says, the technocratic age is slowly designing every day a more controlled society. The society will be dominated by an elite of persons free from traditional values who will have no doubt in uh, fulfilling their objectives by means of purged techniques with which they will influence the behavior of people and will control and watch society in all details. It will become possible to, to exert a practically permanent watch on each citizen of the world. And so that was done about 30-odd years ago. Now, in between two ages, the book uh, he wrote, Brzezinski, he talks about the technotronic era, and he also mentions in it, too, a technique would, would be given to the public, uh, whereby there would be amazing communication between people. And, of course, he was talking about the upcoming computer in the early days. But they knew exactly where they were going, and they knew they could bring us into a, a, a place where they could, as he says here, become possible to exert practically a permanent watch on each citizen of the world. And it's happened, you see. So nothing happens by chance. And the public are, are actually sold in a different uh, bill of goods. You're told that, that things just develop by themselves, by very clever individuals, and you start to buy products just like that. You don't realize that they didn't want the product out there. Uh, if it was detrimental to them losing power, you'd never have it in the first place. It gives them more power because now they have, they're watching the whole darned world now. Every email you have, every conversation that you have, every tweet you do, it's all monitored by all the agencies. As, as I constantly read here every, every other week uh, when there's new laws passed to give them more and more rights to use all your information. So you're living in a controlled society. Nothing happens that isn't planned long in advance. Nothing whatsoever. And as I say, the technocrats uh, uh, are more important, as far as I'm concerned, than the ones that you think you elect who are more puppets. In fact, there's so much puppets that they have their own PR uh, staff and even the President Obama there, he's got one man that all information must go through. That guy's more important than Obama. 
he decides what image the public will have. And if Obama says something that might be construed or misconstrued, uh, he'll simply help not get out there. It's like a censorship department, basically. Every country has a department of information. Think about it. Just like George Orwell had in 1984, Britain's got one too, the Department of Information. And of course that means it's a censorship department, what perceptions the public will be given by data and what they'll not be given, and so on and so on. This is the so-called freedom that you think that you live in. And the left wing and the right wing, it's all nonsense because whoever was left of the right wing was gone long ago as a new dominant minority took over and the bankers truly do run the world today. They truly, truly do. Anyway, I'll get back to what I'm I'm on about here. Now, as we go through all this system too, you've got to understand that royalty isn't what you think it is. Never was, actually. Royalty that ruled over places in Britain generally were foreigners that came in from outside. And then they married a lot of the bankers too, by the way. As elite always marry elite and wealth. And they have generally have disdain for the people they rule over because of nothing in common with them. Literally. Even racially, they've got nothing in common with them. And they always talk about how we're, we're always going for, towards democracy and et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, the, the British royal family, for one, uh, is incredibly, incredibly wealthy. Um, I mean, we just don't know how much they actually get. What's even most, more amazing now, too, they even get a salary. Each one of them gets a massive salary. Uh, to keep them living in this high luxury, to wave their hands and attend functions and, and, and go play polo and stuff. But here's an article here to show you that the feudal system is alive and well. And remember that Carl Quigley for the Council on Foreign Relations, Royal for International Affairs, said, he's a private historian, he said that we're bringing in a new feudal system with a corporate CEO as being the new feudal overlords. And that's already here. Understand these big corporations, international corporations, have governments. They have their own governments inside them. Some of them have more bureaucrats than countries have. And levels of bureaucrats and lawyers and spin merchants and all the rest of it than your own governments do. And um, Prince Charles, as I say, you know, uh, 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 it says here that um, he's used money from people who die without wills in Britain or family. So without wills or family, if you die in Cornwall, that's part of the, the, the one of his estates, they call it an estate, just happen to own all the land everywhere, to fund his own charities and to support bursaries at his old private school in Scotland. As you use Cornwall, as Duke of Cornwall, a title that's already provides him with an £18 million private annual income. Just for that title, you get that £18 million. Isn't that not bad, eh? A quick of history means Charles becomes the owner of the assets of anyone living in the country who dies intestate, which means no will or no family. Last year that provided him with more than £450,000 and he is sitting on £3.3 million in cash from many years of collecting Cornish legacies. The latest account shows, as is in 2012, the benevolent fund he set up to use the money made one of its largest grants of £5,000 to the elite public school of Gordonston in Scotland, where a place now costs £30,000 a year for the students. £30,000. I think he went there for a little while, not very long, because he couldn't handle it. It was too rough for him, and they had to move him, uh, because the guys there really taught to really compete big time. 
and uh, in, in a rather physical as well. So, so he had to move. But anyway, he says the biggest grant was £19,300 to Charles' charity business in the community, whose supporters include some of the biggest companies in Britain. Another £1,000 went to his London-based Prince's Foundation for Building Communities, which champions the Prince's controversial ideas about architecture and planning. They have these special communities to set up in Britain for the for the future world, uh, you know, the managerial class for the world. There's world managers, you understand. And just that the rest of you all get crowded into these communitarian areas, the overcrowded slums for Agenda 21, they already have these other ones set aside, these model places that the, the world, man, the ones that will manage you, you know, the better ones will manage you. And they're really, really nice when you see some of them. You can look them up on websites. It says the donations have drawn particular criticism in Cornwall, where there were calls for the inheritances to be channeled into the public purse, as they are for the rest of England. But Bus Bisco, a councillor in Truro, says Charles was abusing the loyalty of Cornish people and the privilege of receiving the interstate assets. A while back, too, he was in trouble oh, about 20 years ago because he still owns feudal estates. And he has these peasants working in these rented, these tenant farmers, paying them below the minimum wage. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and most folk I'm sure know, of course, about May the 1st and, and what it stands for and so on. It goes back in the old pagan times, and uh, to do really with the birth, not just of spring, but of summer, you know. And uh, they already had a spring one, but this was a summer one too. And some countries even had kind of orgies in the ancient times as well. Appropriation, the birds are all doing it, everybody's doing it. So uh, it's, it has a lot of, lots of connotations too. But we also note as well uh, that uh, the communist faction had that in May Day as well as part of their uh, so-called progress, etc., a symbol of renewal year after year, just like this, the, the buds coming out and so on. They would always be pushing and pushing and even had songs about it too. Some were covert ones and, and almost occultic, but some, and were very popular too. But uh, it's interesting that President Obama has marched May the 1st as, as basically loyalty day, loyalty day. I'll put the link up tonight from the White House for those who want to, to read it. And this is a, this is this loyalty day. This loyalty day, I call upon the people of the United States to join support of this national observance, whether by displaying the flag of the United States or pledging allegiance to the republic for which it stands. And it's so amazing to me. Uh, I've always thought about it. And I've said it many, many years ago that uh, it's amazing how folk can worship a symbol and still worship the symbol, thinking it's the same thing when literally everything's been reversed. Or you've even been taken over a country. They don't even notice they've been taken over. It's quite amazing to me that folk uh, just drift along to it. It's, it's really a great imprinting. Also, two abortion clinic video makers call for government investigation from the Washington Times about a pro-life activist group that uses hidden cameras to go undercover in abortion clinics. Call Wednesday for government investigation into the practice of letting born-alive children die. 
and says we believe in human rights for everyone, human rights for the child, the womb, the child outside the womb, and the true protection and medical care for women, not the brutality that goes on during these procedures. Leela Rose, president of Live Action, said at the rally Wednesday in front of Washington Surgery Clinic near George Washington University in northwest Washington. It's also interesting, too, that Obama and the, the whole bunch, is, you know, you're darn well, he's in with Planned Parenthood and the whole agenda for pro-abortion. But um, it's amazing that, that Gosnell pretty well had that whole bunch of charges dropped, uh, even though uh, it's saying that the, the children uh, died. Well, if, if the children were already born but were dead, why was he snipping their necks to kill them afterwards? He said, all that kind of stuff. You see, they can't possibly attack it at all, or it would have too much consequences and too much ramifications because this is a massive agenda. It goes back to the 1800s in certain circles, the ones that pushed it, that is. And you should read that out for yourselves, the history of it. And this is quite an amazing one, too. A Chinese surgeon should not keep the award the academics say. And it's from, uh, it's from the, uh, it's from Australia. But it says that a Chinese doctor accused of overseeing the harvesting, I like how they say harvesting of organs, just like it's a crop, eh? from political prisoners in China for transplantation should be stripped of an honorary professorship which is awarded by the University of Sydney, Australia. This is the honour awarded to, to, to transplant surgeon Huang Jifu was still until recently China's Vice Minister for Health and now oversees his organ transplant committee has split university staff and transplant experts. They're basically still practising execution on demand and they do because you see for one, some rich uh, sod has a, uh, needs some organ you see, very rich, anywhere in the world now they try and get a good DNA match. And then, of course, they're all listed on the, in the prisons. So uh, they, just, they go and execute them and get the fresh thing, you see. It's very fresh. More bucks for the fresh thing. And uh, and that's that. So they get awards for that now. Now, that previous article I read about abortion, I mentioned years ago, once you start with abortion, then life becomes cheap. And you better understand that another big founder of Planned Parenthood up there was Julian Huxley at UNESCO, United Nations. And I've read his articles on the air, and he talked about the need to dethrone humanity from his pedestal, thinking he's a supreme being, and bring him down to a lower level uh, in order to accept the fact that they wanted to go ahead with aborting us and life is cheap. So they had to train you that life is cheap. It's already been done. I'm not complaining because it's done. There's no point complaining about what's happened because most folk today don't care. All the degradation that was injected into us through indoctrination has been awfully affected through the generations. And it's been, and now they're going after the elderly. Now they're even saying they'd like the folk to drop dead when you retire rather than just simply collect your pension. Stuff like that. Because one thing leads to the next, to the next, to the next, understand? So when you knock down anyone else's life, you know, it also affects your own. Whether you like it or not, it does. It does. Why should anybody stand up for you? You're just another life, aren't you? There's no big deal in that. And that's where it goes. And that's what they want. That's what the masters that run the world want. Anyway, it says, um, but the university at the International Transplant Society says Dr. Huang has been the foremost leader in reforming organ donation in China, calling for less reliance on organs from executed prisoners. Well, he's made his cash up until now, right, on it? So um, this is, they get awards for doing it now. If you know, if, if you're very rich, you can afford this kind of stuff. 
Also, too, the member I've mentioned many times that the whole big plan set up by the Royal Institute for International Affairs, Council on Foreign Relations, the Fabian Society, all the boys, they're all, they're all part of the same group, by the way, left and right wing, um, to set up wars, to bring countries to their knees, to amalgamate nations into blocks like the European Union, which they did. Um, they also bring the central banks, and then they create, then they amalgamate them into the European Central Bank. They've now just cut their interest rate to a record low. It's like a last-ditch attempt before the Depression. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt, we're cutting through the matrix, talking about the European Central Bank, this private bank that's really helped uh, sink lots of countries by f- forcing them through treaties they've all signed with the European Union to keep throwing billions of dollars in there, or euros or whatever, uh, to plug holes in other countries that are failing. So they often borrow money from the World Bank and the, and the IMF to lend or, or give, throw into, give away to these ones that are sinking and now they're all in a mess. Now this isn't, this is not craziness. This is planned this way to give eventually uh, the BIS, Bank for International Settlements, total power over the world because that's what Carl Quigley wrote in his own book about them. And he was part of this. He was a historian for the Royal Institute of International Affairs that set up these organizations for, for world integration under a big banking system. And so they're going, they're right on where they want to go. They create the crisis, then they, then they give you the solution to the crisis. And the countries that all joined the European Union are all worse off than they ever were before. Ever, actually. They're all in incredible debt. The, the IMF is running Ireland and quite a few other countries now. And uh, they're debt slaves forever. Anyway, it says that the European Central Bank cuts the interest rate to record low 0.5%. And a desperate measure to drag the Eurozone out of what they call, it's a, it's a depression. When countries are going under, it's, a, it's called a depression. And it says, um, so the European Parliament cut its benchmark interest rates to a new record low to stimulate the lagging economy in the 17 countries that use the euro. It says the rate-setting council lowered the refinancing rate a quarter point, so that means nothing to all of us, of course. So the move comes amidst, amidst fears the eurozone economy may not recover later this year from its recession. It keeps saying recession. This country's sinking. This country's rioting, for goodness sake. There's people who've lost everything. And the banks are plundering them too. And we, we get this rubbish called an article here that says recession. So we'll, we'll, that's all we'll do on this one. <laughs> but it shows you, we live in absolute fantasy. And also too, it says Her Majesty's Revenue Collection Agency, this is the Queen, because the Queen still owns everything in all Commonwealth countries and Britain, whether people like it or not, even they call themselves a democracy. It says, let Goldman Sachs off tax, let them off with it, to avoid a major embarrassment for George Osborne, the MP. It says, in a legal case against HMRC over the sweetheart tax deal with Goldman Sachs, details have emerged of a controversial cover up to avoid political embarrassment at the heart of government. 
Keeping a light in the High Court that the former tax chief Dave Hartnett chose to waive the £20 million that Goldman Sachs owed to the HMRC, the rent the taxes for Britain, to save his personal reputation and avoid major political embarrassment for George Osborne and HMRC. The political scandal has been revealed by the UK Uncut Legal Action, the anti-cuts campaigners who've brought the case against HMRC. Dave Harnett personally overruled legal advice, the HMRC's own guidelines and HMRC's internal review board, which all stated that HMRC was in a position to force Goldman Sachs to pay back the money owed. Shortly after the oral deal had been made between Dave Hartnett and Goldman Sachs to waive the £20 million that Goldman Sachs owed, HMRC's high-risk corporate program board and internal oversight board rejected the deal and recommended that negotiations be reopened to recoup the money owed. So, uh, once again, it depends who you are and how powerful you are and uh, and so on and so on and so on and whose who's, um, rear end you're going to save. And these kind of scandals. It's amazing the money they toss around. It's all abstract to us, isn't it? It's all just complete abstract to us. But these boys do it. And mind you, if you miss a, an eye or, or don't stroke off the right little box in, in the stuff that you could have sent to the government, you're in the slammer. Eh? Equality for all, eh? What a joke. Also to do with this odd thing that happened in the US, fracking debris. Uh, you take it away one from the, the fracking areas, all the stuff they've drilled and so on. It's considered too radioactive even for a waste site to be dumped in. Truck filling uh, uh, says, um, drill cuttings from a fracking site set off a radiation, radiation alarm at a landfill in Pennsylvania. Emitting gamma radiation ten times higher than the permitted level, the waste was rejected by the landfill. After the alarm went off, the MAX Environmental Technologies truck was immediately quarantined and sent back to the Marcellus Shale fracking site that it had come from in Greene County, uh, Virginia. This is the 159-acre Pennsylvania land site site accepts residual and hazardous waste, but the cuttings were too radioactive for the site to safely dispose of. Where did this stuff come from? Hmm? This is the, the landfill located in South Huntington rejects waste that emits more than 10 microerms per hour of radiation. The fracking materials were found to emit 96 microerms per hour of radium-226, a rate that is 84 times higher than the Environmental Protection Agency's air pollution standard and 10 times higher than the landfill's permitted level. Exposure to the materials uh, taken from the fracking site can have serious, serious health consequences, including the risk of developing cancer. The high level of radiation emitted by the materials serves as alarming news for environmentalists and residents located near hydraulic fra- uh, fracturing sites across the U.S. So they sent the drill cuttings back to the, the well pad where they were extracted. It also makes you wonder, too, what's been buried all over the place as well in times gone by, eh? But as far as I can see, it doesn't say where it came from. I mean, why was it there in the first place? Hmm? Well, I always get these big mysteries, but folk always suffer as they, they, of course, try and forget the mystery. And also, everything is rigged, the biggest price-fixing scandal ever. And this is from the Rolling Stone. It says that Illuminati were amateurs. The second huge financial scandal of the year reveals the real internal conspiracy. There's no price the big banks can't fix. And it says, uh, conspiracy theorists of the world and believers in the hidden hands, the Rothschilds and the Masons and the Illuminati were, we skeptics owe you an apology. You were right. 
the players may be a little different, but your basic premise is correct. Maybe they're not so different after all. The world is a rigged game. We found this out in recent months when a series of related corruption stories spilled out of the financial sector, suggesting the world's largest banks may be fixing the prices of, well, just about everything. You may have heard of the LIBOR scandal, in which at least three and perhaps as many as 16 of the name brand Too Big to Fail banks have been manipulating global interest rates, in the process messing around with the prices of upward of $500 trillion worth of financial instruments. When that sprawling con burst into public view last year, it was easily the biggest financial scandal in history. MIT professor Andrew Lowe even said it dwarfs by orders of magnitude any financial scam in the history of markets. That was bad enough, but now Liber may have a twin brother. Word has leaked out that the London-based firm ICAP, A-I-C-A-P, the world's largest broker of interest rate swaps, is being investigated by American authorities for behavior that sounds eerily reminiscent of the LIBOR mess. Regulators are looking into whether or not a small group of brokers at ICAP may have worked with up to 15 of the world's largest banks to manipulate ISDA's fix, a benchmark number used around the world to calculate the prices of interest rate swaps. Interest rate swaps are a tool used by big cities, major corporations and sovereign governments to manage their debt. And the scale of their use is almost unimaginably massive. It's about a $379 trillion market, meaning that any manipulation would affect a pile of assets about 100 times the size of the U.S. federal budget. As you surprise no one amongst the players implicating the scheme to fix the prices of interest rate swaps are the same mega banks, including Barclays, UBS, Bank of America, JP Morgan Chase, and the Royal Bank of Scotland, which is mainly owned by shares by the government of England. It says that serve on the LIBOR panel that this sets global interest rates. In fact, in recent years, many of these banks have already paid multi-million dollar settlements for anti-competition manipulation of one form or another. In addition to LIBOR, some were caught up in anti-competitive schemes detailed in Rolling Stone last year, and the link's there for that too, to rig municipal debt service auctions. <laughs> that ain't everything, eh? It says, uh, though the jumble of financial acronyms sounds like gibberish to the layperson, the fact that there may now be price-fixing scandals involving both LIBOR and ISDA's fix suggests a single giant mushrooming conspiracy of collusion and price-fixing hovering under the ostensibly competitive veneer of Wall Street culture. In other words, it's an international organization. It's a big mafia, folks. It is. That's what it is. And it's just a scam that the Wall Street learned from the mafia. Now, it's not the Italian mafia. This is why? Because LIBOR already affects the prices of interest rate swaps, making this a manipulation-on-manipulation situation. If the allegations prove to be right, that will mean that swap customers have been paying for two different layers of price-fixing corruption. If you can imagine paying 20 bucks for a crappy PB&J because some evil cabal of agribusiness companies colluded to fix the price of both peanuts and peanut butter, you come close to grasping the lunacy of financial markets where both interest rates and interest rate swaps are being manipulated at the same time, often by the same banks. It's a double conspiracy, says an amazed Michael Greenberger, former director of the Trading and Markets Division at the Commodity Futures Trading Commission, and now a professor at the University of Maryland. It's the height of criminality. And I'm telling you one thing, the guys that do nothing, and mind you too, they, they tend to, some of them are intergenerational, they've got every trick in the book, 
I think they're they're weaned on scams, to be honest with you. And and they're, they they can see a scam behind it. They can actually see through everything. They're incredibly streetwise. And then they're trained through universities to, to, to sharpen and hone their skills. And then they're set loose on the general public. And this is what you get. International criminality. Where the average person can't get their mind around all the bends. See, most folk you see think in, in, a, in a linear fashion. These guys are non-linear. They're non-linear. That's why they, they get off with this. That's why folk can hardly figure out what they're up to. No, I'm not kidding about that. It's a fact. It says the bad news that didn't stop with swaps and interest rates in March. It also came out that two regulators, the CFTC in the U.S. and the Madrid-based International Organization of Securities Commission, were spurred by the LIBOR revelations to investigate the possibility of collusion, uh, collusive manipulation of gold and silver prices. Given the clubby manipulation efforts we saw in the LIBOR benchmarks, I assume other benchmarks, many other benchmarks are legit areas of inquiry, the CFTC Commissioner Bart Chilton said. But the biggest shock came out of the federal courtroom at the end of March. Though if you follow these matters closely, it may not have been so shocking at all. When a landmark class action civil lawsuit against the banks for library defences was dismissed. In that case, a federal judge accepted the banker defendant's incredible argument. If cities and towns and other investors lost money because of library manipulation, that was their own fault for ever thinking the banks were competing in the first place. A farce was one of the antitrust lawyers' responses to the eyebrow-raising dismission. An incredible, says Sylvia Sokol, attorney for the Constantine Cannon, a firm that specializes in antitrust cases. All these stories collectively point to the same thing. These banks, which already possess enormous power just by virtue of their financial holdings, in the U.S., the top six banks, many of them the same names you see on the LIBOR and SDA fixed panels, own assets equivalent to 60% of the nation's GDP are beginning to realize the awesome possibilities for increased profit and political might that would come with colluding instead of competing. In other words, cartelling, folks. But you know something? They've been doing it forever. They don't compete. It's a big club. To rig the rights. It's like a whole bunch of stores getting together, or fishmongers saying, let's all rig the price of fish. Don't sell, don't undercut anybody else. That, this is as old as the hills. But the banks have been, always been doing this. Since moreover, it's increasingly clear that both the criminal justice system and the civil courts may be impotent to stop them even when they do get caught working together to game the system. This is if true that would leave us living at an era of undisguised real-world conspiracy in which the prices of currencies, commodities like gold and silver, even interest rates and the value of money itself can be and may already have been dictated from above while it has. And those who are doing it can get away with it. Well, they always have. Just forget the Illuminati. This is the real thing, and it's no secret. You can stare right at it any time you want. Yep. But nothing happens about it. Most folk don't mind. As long as most folk, that average person, not kidding you, will flick on the TV. You you could have God himself reading the same article here. And right after, they'll, they'll turn on the TV and forget all about it within about 30 seconds. Because it means as long as, they, as that money can go out and, and buy the same icicle or, whatever, or popsicle, they'll be, yeah, that's it. They don't care. That's why the big boys do these things, because folk at the bottom don't care. Uh, global warming uh, now leads to snowy springs and there's beaches under snow. 
As is how far off have the climate skeptics been in projecting the future of climate? Winter in particular, they and their models couldn't have gotten it more wrong. Ten years ago, they were telling us to forget seeing snow in the winter time in the future. Now we're seeing tons of this stuff in the winter time and spring as well. They've even had a report out of Saudi Arabia, uh, as a country famous for its heat and desert, uh, that um, Saudi a city was covered with snow following unrelenting weather. Hmm. Mind you, they're spraying the world now. Geoengineering. And of course the whole idea is to cool it. Well, I think they've overdone it a bit. And quite a lot, in fact. Apart from the health effects, too, which is really nasty for people. They know they're doing it to us, too. And also... This article to do with Google Glasses. Now, I would never use them, of course, but lots of folk will because it's cool and it's new. And new is good, right? As we are trained to believe. But um, it says Google Glass uh, has been hacked to transmit everything you see in here. Experts warn the only thing it doesn't know are your thoughts. And it says that um, hackers be able to remotely watch and hear everything a wearer does. And today warned that, that nothing is safe once your glass has been hacked. Although it doesn't go on sale to the public until next year, right now they've got trial ones out for people. This is the attack raises major security and privacy questions over Google's plans for the device. And it says that um, the hackers claim they can remotely take control of the, gla- the glass and see everything you do and so on. And they've called on Google to improve the security of the device even before it goes on sale. Well, I think they want to be hackable, to be honest with you. As his hackers claim that with access to glass, which is claimed to take just a few minutes with a device to obtain, uh, they could record audio and video at any time, photograph keys to make copies, watch online passwords being entered, see in, uh, uh, letters being read or written, and it says uh, see door codes being tapped in. Uh, once the attacker has root on your glass, they have much more power than if they had access to your phone or even your computer. They have control over a camera and a microphone that's attached to your head, wrote Jay Sorek Freeman, a well-known programmer who's previously developed hacked to bypass security on iPhones and Android handsets. A bug glass doesn't just watch or if you move, it watches everything you're looking at, whether intentionally or furtively, and hears everything you do. The obvious problem, of course, is that you might be using it in fairly private situations. Well, why do you think they're putting them out there, folks? It's for the idiots. It's, I'm sorry to say so, but it's true. It's for the idiots. And to make sure that you can't get any privacy if you walk past these idiots in the streets, you know. That's what it's about, folks. It's for the big boys. That's what the computer was for, too. To watch you. To know all about you. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and also too, as I've said so many times, we're the most studied species on the planet. That's what humans are and happen to be. And uh, you couldn't believe the daily, the amount of, there's thousands of studies going on all the time on us, about us, in all kinds of areas, all the time. Because the ones that own you, I've got to make sure they know all about you and what's changing. In fact, if the things that they're trying to change are working or not. And that's what polls and so on are for. And a lot of them are very factual as well. That's how they can be always sure of the next step and the next step. Or they just keep pushing in a certain area for PC, political correctness, uh, to get the right effect that they want and so on. They're always studying us. But part of it too was also to bring in the great society, as they call it, the new type of human. The, 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 say the communists call it the, the Sovieticus, you know, 
the new kind of human that we're going to create. But they're still at it because it's all Marxian anyway. And Marxism is simply a branch of the bankers. Because they're on both sides, dialectical materialism, they need two opposing forces to bring in the thesis, you know. And that's what they've done. That's how it works. You can't get a change unless you get two opposing forces. It says, young people want everything but can't be bothered to earn it, as the fantasy gap between actual earnings and expectations widens amongst graduates. This is research into the life goals of three generations of students show teenagers are more driven by materialism than ever. Numbers don't add up as 62% want to have money, but 39% don't want to work for it. That's the new socialism, you see. Life goals of 355,000 students surveyed in the U.S. show a shift in priorities. And it says um, they all want the cash and the flashy lifestyles, but they aren't prepared to work hard to achieve it. They don't think they should. And they have a sense of entitlement, uh, more so than previous generations, according to the new research. Studies show that teenagers are more materialistic than ever, and so on. The survey into the life goals of three generations of students revealed the fantasy gap between the desire for wealth and desire to work. The importance of life goals to young people have been tracked over for 40 years in the graph above. And they have universities studying all Parts of us, all the same things, you know, year after year. The percentage of students who agree that the goal is important is measured on the left. The categories of goals are the development of meaningful philosophy of life. Well, they're always given the philosophy of life by the ruling, the dominant minority. Becoming well off financially, having a great deal of money and becoming a leader. That outcome shows that while leadership has increased over the years, being well off and having a great deal of money are top priorities for students. Well, who wants to be poor, right? Developing a meaningful philosophy of life was important to 8.5% of students in the 1966 and 2008 only 48% felt it was important. The survey examined the priorities of 355,000 young people between 1976 and 2007. Professor Jean Twang, who led the research, said there was a generational increase in narcissism and entitlement. And that's exactly what I've mentioned before that the boys who set up this present system that we're living, now living through, and many, many of these guys are now dead, these, these professionals, like Lord Bertrand Russell, he said, well, we shall bring in a narcissistic generation back in the 1940s and 50s to get through this phase. Because they're too wrapped up in themselves to care about the big picture of what's happening uh, about all those around about them. And that's, what, that's part of the reason for it. So anyway, the professor was from San Diego State University, and I'll put the article up tonight for those who want to know about it. From Hamish, myself from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. May your God, your God, go with you.